Welcome to the York Story Slam podcast, where we feature select stories from our monthly open mic storytelling events in York, Pennsylvania. On June 20th, 10 storytellers share their stories with our audience at Holy Hound Tap Room in downtown York. Our theme for the evening was Square Peg. We heard stories about feeling out of place, searching and ultimately finding one's tribe, and sticking out for all the wrong reasons. Mary Lee won with her story about a club she longed to join in elementary school. My elementary school had a club. It was a very exclusive club. It was called Banana Splits. And I wanted to be a part of this club so badly because, as you can imagine, every other week, these kids got to skip class, go to the cafeteria, and eat ice cream. Which, even in my 30s, I think, is the most fantastic reason to have a club ever. Uh, So, I really wanted to be a part of this club, but the problem was I never knew how to get into this club. There were no sign-up forms, there were no tryouts. The only thing that I knew was that, one, you had to be selected by a teacher, and two, you were most likely popular, because most of the popular kids were in banana splits. And I, I thought I had the teacher thing down, because I, in my vain, delusional seven-year-old mind, thought that as soon as the teacher read Mary Lee on the paper, they wrote a big A and didn't even correct it, because I'm a genius, of course. Uh, but the popular thing, like, I knew it wasn't popular, but I had friends of friends who were popular, so I would imagine that they would be sitting one day at Banana Splits going, you know what, I really wish Mary was here. (laughs) And serendipitously, there would be a teacher walking by saying, you're right, Mary deserves to be here. She deserves ice cream. (laughs) So (laughs) that's how I thought it would go down. Uh, (laughs) But... So you can imagine the excitement that I felt when my parents sat me down and they were very serious, which is weird, but I'm seven, so I think they're weird anyway. Uh, they were very serious and they went, Mary, I, uh, the school thinks you should go and go to this club. And I'm like, club? It meets every other week, every other week at the cafeteria. The cafeteria? I don't need to know anymore. I am in. Let's go. Uh, so, the, so the day comes, and I should have known right away that something was wrong, because when I went up to go to the club meeting, all the Banana Splits kids were still sitting down, and I was like, suckas, I'm going to get all the ice cream. Uh, so I went to the cafeteria, and, and that's when it hit me, that something was seriously seriously wrong because as I said most of the popular kids went to banana splits the kids that were in the cafeteria waiting for me they were not popular they were the kids everyone made fun of and at that age you think that unpopularity is contagious and that's why you don't stand next to them in line because if you stand next to them in line you're gonna catch that unpopularity so I was having this identity crisis at seven, like, why am I here? Oh my God, I'm unpopular. Oh my God, people make fun of me. Oh my God, how did I not know this? 
so it turns out that Banana Splits was a club for kids of divorced parents, which I would never, ever be a part of because my parents have been happily married for over 40 years. Uh, but the club that I was a part of was meant to, was designed to build my confidence and teach me how to make friends. But I think that's laughable because as soon as I saw who else was in the club, my confidence was struck and I have had a complex ever since. <laughs> that's how I discovered that I was a square peg. Mary earned a spot in our Grand Slam in November. Next up is Sarah Chain. Sarah also shared a story from her school days. She told us about how she got the nickname that stuck. So, if you were born, let's say, mid-80s, late-80s, there's a 50% chance that your name is Sarah, like me. Uh, so I grew up in a uh, class of a bunch of different Sarahs. I think in sixth grade there were six of us, all with different last names. Uh, and so I grew up around a bunch of people who had really fun names that could be shortened into really fun nicknames. Uh, so Catherine could be Kathy or Kat or Katie, and Chris could be Chris, or if you're an asshole, it could be Topher. Uh, but I just had Sarah. Uh, or if I followed in my dad's footsteps, my last name is Chain, and I could be Chano. Uh, and neither of those really appealed to me, but I grew up really wishing that I had a nickname. So I got up to be about 12, I was in the seventh grade, uh, and I had elected to take German class, which has served me really well in the past 15 years. Uh, but I sat kind of in the back uh, of the class, of this German classroom, and I sat with a couple girlfriends, but right in front of me was a boy, and he was cute. And uh, we were 12, so the way that we showed affection was by like stealing each other's pencils or books or turning around and like messing up the papers on the desk. It was really romantic. Uh, and so he turned around one day and came into class, sat down, turned around and was messing with my pencils or my pens. And he had turned around and hooked his arm underneath uh, the back of the chair. It's one of those chairs that's attached to uh, your desk, and so there's a little metal loop around the back of the chair that attaches that to your seat, which attaches to your desk. He looped his arm up around, and he's messing with my stuff on my desk, and I was like, ah, ha, 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 like, this is so fun, like, we love each other. <laughs> and I kind of raised my leg and uh, kicked him, kicked his arm kind of against the back of this chair to get him to stop messing with my stuff, which I didn't actually like because that's how I felt. <laughs> so he didn't like make a face like, oh no, my arm, I'm so injured. Uh, but he did come into school the next day with a cast. <laughs> and I did get uh, invited to the guidance counselor's office to talk about appropriate relationships. <laughs> Uh, all that to say, in my German class in seventh grade, I got moved from the back corner to the very front of the classroom, uh, where Frau Mueller could keep a close eye on me and make sure I was doing appropriate things. So I moved up in front of these other two boys in my class who found it really humorous that my last name was Chain. And Every so often, when Frau Mueller was 
not paying close attention. They would sit there and they would lean in real close and they'd whisper and they'd say, chainsaw. No, 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 no. And I would sit there mortified. And they carried it on for the rest of the year uh, to just start off real, real soft, real slow. And it stuck for all of my seventh grade and uh, honestly the past 15 years. So I quickly learned that sometimes it's better to be a square peg and not have a nickname at all. Our final story on this month's podcast comes from Christina Powers, who shared the story of a trip to Honduras where she worked as a quasi-fluent interpreter for a medical mission. So in 2013, I answered an ad to be a volunteer Spanish interpreter for an organization called Operation Walk Pittsburgh. Operation Walk goes and sends a bunch of doctors to countries to do a lot of orthopedic surgeries, knee and hip replacements for a week. Um, I'm not a doctor. I've never had a knee or hip replacement. I did have back surgery once. And I'm not fully bilingual in Spanish either. <laughs> but I thought, hey, free trip to Honduras. <laughs> and it turns out that relative to everyone else that applied, I was the best Spanish speaker. So I got to go. Now, this was the first year that this particular group of doctors had decided to bring along an interpreter. They had that vague idea that when they would go there and they would, you know, there were some bilingual staff, but they, you know, they needed someone. But they really didn't know what they wanted that person to do. And then they found out that I was a lawyer, and still am, um, which is kind of like the kryptonite of doctors. So the first night, <laughs> We're, we're doing the introductions, and everyone's like, I do blah, 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 fancy medical thing I don't understand, and I do blah, 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 fancy medical thing. And I raise my hand, I'm like, I'm, I'm a lawyer, but I don't do medical malpractice, I swear. I will never sue anybody in this room. So, first they tried to get me to do medical stuff and to help them out. Um, and, you know, I think they gave up. They let me wash the patient's knees um, because you can't screw that up. It's like, here's a wipe. Um, even though the first time I kind of like, no, wipe harder, wipe more, <laughs> bigger circles. Uh, they tried to get me to hang IV bags and then I somehow hung one upside down and they're still not sure how that happened. So like, okay, no. But they found out what I was really great at was pre-op. Because pre-op is where you sit with a bunch of nervous people who are about to have these surgeries that they've been desperately hoping for, but also it's a pretty scary time, and it doesn't require a lot of technical knowledge. Now, it also helped that I was a square peg vis-a-vis -vis the patients, because to them, I was this exotic weirdo. So I would sit there and shamelessly exploit my actual lack of Spanish, and I would, and they'd be like, "Oh, you remind me of my slightly demented six-year-old grandson, because you have the same vocabulary level." And I'd smile and nod, and sometimes with the older grandmas, like, because they also had hot orderlies that were, you know, son, medical students pushing them around, and I'd be like, "Yeah." I know you think he's cute, because I could say that much in Spanish, and I felt so cool, because I'm like, yeah, look at me and the 70-year-old lady with arthritis. We're totally talking about that guy. I'm awesome. 
And so I think the climax of my working these two groups independently and trying to fit in with them came to when they put me in charge of the discharge workshop. So my job was to stand in front of all these happy patients and all their family members and a bunch of doctors who wanted to see, you know, they're these people they've taken care of. They want to get the good, happy feeling of watching them walk out the door for the first time, maybe in years. And it was just insane because, again, I was not necessarily trained for this job. And so I just compensated by being as over the top as possible. So I would have call and responses like we were in church, except the call and response was, and how many times a day are you going to take your aspirin? Two, two times. <laughs> I, I gave this presentation at least three times, and I always forgot certain words. So there would always be a part where I'm like, ugh. And it was always the word for bandage. So I just hold it up and be like, what is this? <laughs> the La Parcha. I'm like, yes, La Parcha, clean it. Um, I guess this isn't a really good lesson for people trying to actually go in the medical profession because, like, I shouldn't say boundless enthusiasm will cover all errors. Uh, that's a dangerous message to send, but it did help, I think, um, the doctors learned to appreciate my uh, special gifts such as they were, and the patients, you know, it was nice to have something that they could feel in control of because they're like, I know way more than that lady. Um, and I would help them laugh a little when they were nervous, so everything ended up working out. Thank you. All the winners from this year's Open Mic Story Slam events will return to compete for the title of Best Storyteller in York. Tickets for our events are available on our website, yorkstoryslam.com. And while you're there, you can sign up for our monthly newsletter. Please follow us on Twitter at York Story Slam, and you can find us on Facebook and also watch all the videos of our stories from our events on our YouTube channel. Our podcast is produced with support from the Beer Ace. Find them at thebeerace.com. This episode comes to you with support from this month's featured brewery partner, Yards Brewing Company. We hope to see you on stage soon. Thanks for listening. This Story Slam podcast is produced by Carla Wilson of Wilson Media Services. Theme music composed and performed by David Wilson. You can learn more at wilsonmediaservices.com.